everybody. Hello. Welcome to the evening. It's the evening show. It's a 7 p.m. that you know and love. Never late. Can't be late. Well, it's 6.54 p.m. So we're a little bit early, as usual. Gotta do our checks. And we have a pretty special show tonight. I think every show is pretty special, but I always love talking to first-time guests, especially when it's somebody that I've been following for a long time. And that is, uh, that is one way to describe Ben Davidson of Space Weather News, Suspicious Observers. So, um... We're going to have Ben on tonight. We're going to be talking a lot about his work, a lot about his um, his most dire conclusions that he's drawn about what kind of a trajectory we are on with solar cycles uh, of our of our sun and how it is affecting our Earth and what that means for everything. Okay, we're going to be talking about pole shifts. We're going to be talking about um, solar cycles. And everything in between NASA, what their involvement in all this stuff is, or not involvement. And and then we'll get a little bit more a little more outside the box and talking about the bigger considerations and the very open way that the elite will communicate with each other, public comms as they call them. But also revelation of the method, because this has very end of days kind of feeling, and I, I just don't know how how supernatural uh, Ben Davidson gets with a lot of his um, his analysis. Obviously, you know the, the the hard sciences are the hard sciences, and then there has to be something inside that stirs and says, "Is there something more to this? Something more? Something unseen?" Especially when you're talking about um, cataclysm of this type which that'll be a that'll be a big part of tonight's show so hang on i know that a lot of this might be disturbing to you to some of you and ma- many of you may have your own opinions on this that differ from ben so i, I i'm ha- hoping that in the second half of the show with whatever is left we can get some calls people uh your opinions on what what you uh what you think what your research has shown you I think that'd be uh, pretty fun, but for tonight, I've got so much to talk about with Ben, I I wouldn't be surprised if there's no time for calls, but I don't want to keep him too long if he's got something else to do. Anyway, he'll be on with us in just a little bit, so here we are going to do our thing. I want to thank all my sponsors, all my affiliates, all my friends on the affiliates page and quitefrankly.tv. That, of course, is topped off by our wonderful partners for a long time now, bluemonsterprep.com, Pat and Gina. They are going to get you and everybody you know and love all ready for 2024 because they can help you prepare for all types of things that you can't expect. You can't really bet on. It can be coming from anywhere. They've got your gas masks. They've got your two-way radios. They've got your solar power generators. they got your heirloom seeds, food, water filtration, first aid. Get to BlueMonsterPrep.com. Use promo code FRANKLY for free shipping. Uh, but there's so much more there. Wise Wolf Gold and Silver. Uh, I already put in my, my Christmas order with uh, with Tony from Wise Wolf. That's quite frankly.gold. Uh, you've got the official, quite frankly, coffee blend that's there. There's Flip City Magazine. Yes, Cacao. Magical Botanical Chocolate. 
Okay, this stuff is health food, ladies and gentlemen. Remember, they were down at KetoCon with Jay Gulanello. You can't get down there at KetoCon if you're just regular old milk chocolate loaded with sugar and all that crap. This is botanical, my friends. It'll cure your soul. There's Apex water. There's so much more. You have to go check it out. And of course, there's the, quite frankly, merchandise. And so that's my blanket plug for the evening on this Wednesday night in December. And it's a chilly one, my friends. I was out there cooking my steak and a couple of small baby lamb chops. I don't know. After I love baby, baby lamb chops, but almost like with uh, with oysters, the first couple of hours after I eat it, I'm holding my breath. I'm saying, did that taste a little bit too gamey? Am I going to start throwing my guts up? So far, so good. I ate it about an hour and a half ago, so I think I'm okay. Uh, if I turn green in the middle of this broadcast and I hurl, then you'll know what happened. Um, tell people it was the lamb. All right. Ashton Forbes is on tomorrow. And we got a lot of other great stuff going on. Oh, Tony Black is going to be coming in on uh, for the, the, the first half hour or so on Friday night. He told my mother he wants to come in. I said, okay. I'm going to move some things around, uh, and, and you guys can come in the first first half hour, first 45 minutes, whatever he's comfortable with. So we'll have a good time on Friday night, and um, and next week is going to be just as awesome. So hold on to your butts. All right, here's a little something out of New York City. Our good friend, Leroy, Leroy Press at Viral News NYC, uh, he's continuing to be, you know, the some of the lone boots on the ground showing raw news and views from the ground over there in New York City and a little bit more on the migrant issue that's going on it this is this is serious stuff now i mean it's always been serious but now we're talking true humanitarian crisis because so many of these people are just sleeping out on the streets they're just sleeping out on the streets now and it is freezing outside so you know what's going to start happening. They're going to start finding these foreign nationals just dead all over the city because there's already no place to put them. Um, the homeless shelters, the, they're, they're kicking out 94-year-old World War II veterans to put in, or Korean War, I don't know, uh, uh, Frank Tamara, we were talking about him the other night. They're, kick, they're kicking out veterans to put in foreign nationals inside of uh, nursing homes. And even Leroy said it, the migrants are sleeping on the streets. Some have been out here for days already. The migrants regret coming to New York City. Thank a Democrat. Migrants beg for work authorization from Joe Biden. What is work authorization going to do for you? Do you understand how expensive living is? I mean, that's just, I mean, to be able to, to say, okay, you are authorized to go clean dishes at a local pizzeria. What the hell does that do for your living situation? You're not going to be able to pay New York rent with that. So, um, so that's going on. Figured I'd just throw that into the mix because it's a, it's a short little something. Then we have, then we have this Donald Trump apparently was on with Sean Hannity the other night. And here's the headlines. Breathless. Donald Trump refuses, all capitals, refuses to rule out being a dictator. <laughs> I, I, I refuse to rule out being a dictator. Tells, tells Sean Hannity he may get revenge on his enemies on day one after dodging a question about abusing the law to go after people. 
would you abuse the law to go after people? I don't know, maybe. Now, here's the thing. The law has been completely skirted. So if he goes after people, if he throws the book at people, it'll suddenly look like he's abusing power because he would be prosecuting criminals for the first time in a long, long time. And man, oh man, uh, if there's not, if, I, if that's like, seriously, that's, that's the, the, the sole reason just to roll the dice to see and just how many people he actually will go after. That is a, that's good enough reason for me to, to throw a vote because other than that, I don't think that voting for president even matters anymore. But, but if there's even a slightest of chance, I can see that he's got my vote in 2024. So I, I guess we'll get, maybe we'll get into that some other time. Something, uh, here, hold on. To be clear, do you in any way have any plans whatsoever, if reelected, to abuse power? What kind of, Sean Hannity ask, actually asked that question? Do you have any intention to abuse power, to break the law, to use government, to go after people? His response was, you mean like they're using right now? Well, that's good. That's the response, but the way that the Daily Mail uh, covered it, you mean like they're using right now? Trump responded without answering the question directly. He just did. He just did. That's what they're doing right now. A deviation from that would actually be a restoration of law and order. You see how crazy this is? So, um, man, I didn't even know the hell that was going on, but then again, it doesn't, I don't know. I'll keep my eyes open for some clips. Here's another one for you. The last one before we go to break and kick this one off for real. AOC. AOC, here's the headline. She claims that all underage women will face genital examinations if biological men are barred from female sports. Uh, does she really think that we don't know? Does she honestly think that these broad-shouldered, square-jawed men competing next to women don't stand out like a sore thumb? That we don't know? Does she honestly think that the, the birth certificates of everybody that is going to college and competing or just going to college to be educated, that whether they think that they're a boy or a girl, their birth certificate is unchanged. They were born a certain way. That's all you need to know. You don't need to go examine women's genitals. But, of course, they have to catastrophize everything. Everything. I mean, b baked in, and it's so crazy, too, because baked into this bird-brained response that this girl gave is the insinuation that men are totally passable as women and probably have been secretly competing as women for hundreds of years and we just didn't notice. And now they now they <laughs> and now girls have to be sub subjected to medical exams. You know, this is peak 2023 where it's science. This is peak science for 2023. Where now we have Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Neil deGrasse Tyson are essentially intellectual peers now. They are intellectual peers. That's it. I guess it's more of a compliment for her, but still an insult to them both. Because you remember what he was saying about co competition? That he said that, that in the future, uh, all, all collegiate sports and whatever should not be based on sex, but it should be based on a, a full battery of exams. She's saying that, oh, well, you know, there's going to be somebody that's going to have to look down the, the, you know, somebody's shorts to make sure that they have, you know, one pair of genitals or the other. But he was saying that there should be a, a complete battery of exams that, that compares 
men, women, whatever the hell it is, on levels of their hormone, how many, how many, what their hormone levels are, so that everybody is is equal from a purely chemical level. So she doesn't want anybody doing any cup checks, but Neil deGrasse Tyson, who's supposed to be the preeminent, uh, you know, astrophysicist of our time, says that we should start doing a battery of examinations so that somebody can go run track and field in high school. It, uh, they're, they're all stupid. They're all ridiculous. So again, uh, like I said this morning when this, uh, this came up in passing, the socio-political force that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez represents cannot be negotiated with. It's over. This is, the, these, this is the rambling of schizophrenic street performers, okay? But this is a congressional hearing. That's the scary part. There's no reasoning, there's no peace, and there's definitely not going to be any common ground with these people. There must not be common ground, actually, especially since they've uh, already found their power. They're not going to want to give it up. They're not, not going to want that power to be modified. They want more, and apparently they believe their delusion more than we believe in reality because they continue to grow in power and influence, so, um, so that's that. I mean, it, it's, it's going to have to get to a point where some action is going to be taken because these hearings don't help and it's, you can't, there's no negotiating with this level of psychopathy. I, I hope everyone understands that too, that I'm not talking about genocide or anything like that, but, um, because, because these freaks, they project genocide onto other people that they themselves actually, they, they're seeking to subjugate and kill people. No doubt about it, but they need to be shown no core. If we're going to turn, turn this around and not actually uh, have real, real big problems, they got to be shown no quarter. They got to be kicked out of certain places. It has to be strictly enforced. Um, all their complaints need to be just thrown into the waste paper basket. That's it. Because when they up their game, which they will, they're violent by nature, then... Um, then whatever. But there's no deterrence in, in society anymore. There's no deterrence whatsoever. Just keeps going. All right, let's kick this one off. Ladies and gentlemen, I put the links out there across all the, quite frankly, socials. The first hour is going to be everywhere you know, on Rumble, on Rockfin, on YouTube, on uh, on Twitter, on Twitch, on DLive. And, uh, and then the second half is going to be on pilled.net, though that link is below. Uh, you can also go to quitefrankly.tv. That's been powered by Pilled and Foxhole for years now. It's two clicks and you're there. You're definitely going to want to watch as much of this episode as possible with Ben Davidson because it's going to be a good one. It really is. All right, don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Everybody else shit. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! Yeah. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. That was the pre-show. That was a little bit of a warm-up to get you all nice and cozy in your seats. And now here's, here's the main serving. So here is a little bit of the preface. Not only is Ben Davidson a guy that I've wanted to talk to for a long time because I think his work is very fascinating. If you watch the, if you watch the Sunday night, the Sunday night programming that I curate, there's always new space weather news there in those playlists by Ben Davidson, Suspicious Observers. He is the Suspicious Observer. But we've been getting a lot of, a lot of articles like this recently from Study Finds, but many others. Here's one. Earth news. Earth's magnetic field could completely flip soon. Physicist explains what that means. Now, when you get deeper into this, it talks about the frequency and intensity of these flips, but they're mostly always coming from a standpoint of a magnetic shift in polarity, not an actual flipping or a shifting of the, of the geographical poles. Uh, ben Davidson is a guy who comes from the, the school of thought that that is what we're heading toward. We're heading toward a geographical flipping of the poles, which is a, a pretty serious thing. And we're going to talk about how that can happen and why, why it is so serious. Why is it so serious? Well, Ben Davidson, the founder of Space Weather News, the Suspicious Observers channel on YouTube. Ben has become a daily source of information uh, about our native star's cycle of activity and the impact it has on the ancient past, the present, and speculation on the future as well. This is going to take wild twists tonight, ladies and gentlemen, down roads rife with contested science, cataclysm, spiritual rebirth as well. I can't wait to talk to him. Ben, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. We've been following your work for a very, very long time, and um, and and man, oh man, I'm I'm ready for a ride tonight. So I, uh, a lot of people have been seeing you are seeing you for the first time now, and I really your your story is wonderful because you started out as a lawyer, and I wanted to have you just give everybody a little bit of a, of a uh, maybe a nutshell view of how you went from one specialized field to another where you've built now one of the more recognizable independent brands focusing on space news. Sure. Um, well, I, uh, I did go to law school. I do have my uh, Juris Doctorate, my, my law degree, uh, but I never actually practiced law. I didn't even take the bar. Um, I figured out pretty quickly during law school that a life of law was not going to be for me. I stuck it out, finished, got the degree, but I went right into interdisciplinary research. It's one of the uh, main things that lawyers do if they aren't lawyers. And luckily, one of the cool things about law school is it's the last place on earth that teaches you how to think and not just regurgitate information that the professor uh, is trying to cram down your throat. It actually teaches you how to think. And uh, so I went into interdisciplinary research for a venture capital firm. Uh, not like many other venture capital firms, these guys aren't sharks or uh, vultures. They try to do some good stuff, so I was happy with it. But it basically forced me to uh, apply economics, the legal aspects of whatever deal they were looking at, and then the subject matter expertise of whatever it is they were looking at. And so what they like to call portfolio diversification, 
or their lead researcher seems like a lack of focus that forces you to basically become an expert in a new topic every two weeks. Mm. And there I rediscovered my love of science. I had taken many physics courses, many meteorology courses in undergrad. I had initially wanted to be a weatherman, uh, like you see on TV. And so that really kind of slid me back into the idea of bringing together um, research and information from a lot of different areas. And, you know, they would hire the best experts and consultants in the world, but they would always say different things. And then my boss would turn to me and be like, which one's right? And so um, it's really kind of putting your feet to the fire and uh, trial by fire, to put it lightly. And so what I do now is really not all that different from what I was trained to do and what I specialized in uh, right after I, I graduated. Mm, yeah. And I was always interested in the sun, weather, earthquakes, uh, science in general. And so, you know, one day I decided, hey, let me do what I do for my bosses, but stuff that interests me. And uh, one day I looked down, there were tens of thousands of people watching. There was professors, NASA scientists in my inbox. Um, and I realized, hey, this th this is the path I need to take, and I never look back from that. You know, and and I and just uh, examining the full corpus of your your work and what you put out there, because I know you know suspicious observers is only even just a a fraction of the content you put out. Um, I, it really it does come through that you are living a very very complete life in that respect uh, even res even in respect to what you what you forecast you forecast some pretty dire things so uh, in the face of all that it's it's really it, you give a, you give people a lot of confidence going into the future if what you're talking about bears out and we're going to talk about that right now because what you what sets you apart from most others in your line of work is that you're convinced that a pole shift is imminent and um and more so lately than I have ever seen before, and I'm sure you have too, we've been seeing these articles talking about the flipping of magnetic poles coming out, and they've been almost like prepping this and massaging this into the, into the public consciousness. But it only comes from the perspective of opposite polarities um, and not from the flipping of geographical north and south or the shifting of those poles, which is what you're convinced is coming. So before we get deeper into your work on that, can you say what happens more often over the course of natural history, the magnetic or the geographical shift? You know, to be perfectly honest with you, I can't find uh, much evidence of them being separated. Okay. I realize that one is well recognized and, um, you know, it, nobody really denies that it happens, but the geographic, the earth actually turning over when these magnetic pole shifts occur uh, nobody really wants to talk about that in any kind of detail, but the evidence really just does suggest that that is exactly what happens. Um, this is uh, from fossilized trees, from sediment records in the Arctic. Um, th there are several lines of evidence, even including uh, some that stray off into um, religious or mythological stories, but specifically the ones where there's no reason for these cultures that are disconnected by, you know, centuries and thousands of miles to tell the exact same story of what happened in their past. And, uh, you know, when we start to put all that together, it really does seem like we're getting half of the truth. And the half of the truth that we're getting, it really is, as you said, kind of being slowly massaged 
into the mainstream narrative and into the minds of everybody rather than dumped as uh as perhaps it should be although maybe that's not for me to decide well what you just described right there is is, is probably the main reason why that broadcast you did with jimmy corsetti was so electric i mean because coming from his you know his his body of work what he what he puts his time into what you put your time into there were so many amazing overlapping uh qualities to that conversation that it, it it really just i've watched that you know i think twice already and um so there i have a couple of ideas the things i want to ask you tonight they're sort of follow-ups to what you guys had discussed but yeah here's a little bit of what business insider had to say about this recently and i, I bring this up because mainstream science reporting of course has one position one position only that we are in the clear for still many thousands of years to come Uh, And they said this, over the past 150 years, I thought this was pretty significant, the magnetic North Pole has casually wandered 685 miles across uh, uh, Canada. That seems pretty damn significant, nearly 700 miles. That's like me going from New York to Myrtle Beach. But right now, it's racing 25 miles a year to the northwest, but no one knows when the next flip can happen. The last time the poles reversed was, listen to this number, 780,000 years ago. So it's not like we have a record for this. It turns out 780,000 years is over double the time Earth usually takes between flipping. Do you believe that we're on a 780,000-year cycle? Nope, absolutely not. Um, And so what they're talking about is a situation where um, the, the core fields of the planet reverse and then stay that way for a long time. They, they call that a full cron reversal. And the problem is, is that's not what's happening right now. What's happening is what they refer to as the rapid flips, which are called geomagnetic excursions. And those happen about every 6,000 years. Big ones every 12,000 years, but on the half cycle at 6,000 years between them, we get a miniature version of it as well. And what's interesting is the ones that they are discussing they do take thousands of years to unfold but because of that it's a much slower much more gradual change and it actually appears that there is less of an impact on the species living on this planet because you know in the life of any given animal things just aren't changing that much but these geomagnetic excursions are different not only do they happen about every well, 12,000 years in a major way, 6,000 years in some way whatsoever. Uh, Those ones are really tied to the major extinction events. That's where all of the scientific studies are saying, hey, this is a major problem for ozone levels, for climate, for volcanoes, for direct radiation impact on the surface, because it is a rapid flip of the magnetic poles, all the navigational issues, not just with birds, but mammals and marine creatures, the Mm -hmm. ones that live in the ocean. There's over a thousand different animals that use the magnetic field, not only for navigation and migration, but to find feeding grounds, to find mating grounds, things like that. And so you have these navigational issues, you have direct radiation, you have climate changes, volcanoes, and a loss of ozone uh, creating another radiation problem from ultraviolet light. It is quite the battering that the food chain takes, the the biosphere, the, the living creatures here on earth. And, uh, you know, I'll say it again, while those other ones do take thousands of years to unfold, the science says that these rapid flips can happen in as little as 80 years. 
the, some of the best scientists on this said, hey, this can happen in a human lifetime. We have we are already it, you know, over a century into this event. And so if it were to happen tomorrow, this would nowhere this it wouldn't come anywhere near the fastest flip on record. We are in one of the rapid flips right now, and we are progressing uh, quite quickly. And to that point, you'd mentioned it's been a, about a 700-mile trek for the magnetic North Pole. The first half of that took about 150 years. The second half of it has taken place in only the last 20. Things are speeding up. Oh, really? Uh, in, addition, in addition to the magnetic poles moving faster, we are losing the magnetic field strength even faster. We lost 10% of Earth's magnetic field, the thing that protects our Earth from energy from space. We lost 10% from about 1850 to the year 2000. Well, in 2010, they upgraded that number to 15%. So wait a minute, in 150 years, we lost 10%, but we lost another 5% in only 10 years. And at the same time, there's a... European Space Agency mission to monitor the magnetic field called SWARM. And the mission manager at the time said we had gone from losing 5% of our magnetic field per century to now we're losing 5% per decade. And all the studies suggest that it can get much faster than this to the point where we can be losing 5 to 10% every year. Once that happens, we're only a couple of years away from, from the flip, which my math suggests should be in the 2040s, which many people listening to this you're going to be around for and if not your kids grandkids will be around for and so um, this is a very very serious situation and it's not only the north pole but the south pole has begun speeding up as well um, over the last 15 years or so it has begun to accelerate after a much more steady track for for several decades it's now accelerating as well and so we have accelerating magnetic pole movement we have accelerating loss of the protective magnetic field of our planet and it is all leading to this rapid shift the rapid pole flip the geomagnetic excursion which should if we're and i'm doing this relatively in a conservative manner 2040s if we get some kind of acceleration like we had around the year 2000 it could be the 2030s I'm not counting on that. There will be plenty of evidence if it happens. But right now, at the state that we're changing, at the rate of change that we are seeing, it's looking like the 2040s is going to be when Earth's magnetic poles flip and uh, things get very, very interesting okay. and scary here on the Earth. Well, we're going to, I have some questions about that in a second, but a couple of follow ups real quick. When you say the, uh, the protective, magnetic protective uh, shields here, we're talking about the ozone layer? So we're talking about the magnetic field. It wraps around the entire planet. And the, the thing is, the ozone layer is constantly being created and destroyed. Okay. Every single day, it is destroyed and, re and, and recreated to a large degree. The ultraviolet light from the sun actually triggers chemical reactions that build ozone. But the protons and electrons, the stuff that comes out of the sun, when that enters the atmosphere, that destroys ozone. Now, when we lose Earth's magnetic field, the amount of ultraviolet light that we get in from the sun does not change that much, but that magnetic field is what's blocking out most of the protons and electrons and the extra particles that are actually coming in rather than the ultraviolet light will cause an increase in the destruction of the ozone, causing an increase in the ultraviolet light that hits the surface. Okay. 
That, yeah, that, well, that makes a little bit more sense. And and when you start talking about migratory patterns and things like that being uh, th- uh, thrown off for, you know, what will be considered domestic fauna down here on, on the earth, I think about uh, I think about what we've been getting from the news about beached whales. Uh, exactly. Because, exactly. And, and in that respect, I have to imagine that geoengineering plays a part in it. I can. I. I. I people have told me, no, dude, uh, wind energy farms. They are very, very uh, adept at throwing off my migra- migratory uh, senses and confusing animals. But now you say this. This. That sounds like it could also go hand in hand with uh, what's happening. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, both things are absolutely true. In fact, uh, some of the beached whales on the Atlantic seaboard, those probably have something to do with the wind farms out there. The problem is, is when you're talking about the beached whales, the sharks in um, areas where they're not supposed to be, even sea turtles, less than 1% of those events are happening near those wind farms or even the tidal power um, uh, generation stations. And so I would never sit here and say that those don't affect the animals. It's just that we are seeing a massive uptick worldwide of these events and less than 1% of them are happening near these man-made structures. Um, a, A lot of this has to do with the fact that they navigate based on the magnetic field and the magnetic field is changing. Hmm. Okay, so then let's talk about seismic activity here, because you're, you're you're talking about the magnetic field, protection against the sun sun's rays, um, and it's something that I have uh, I haven't ever considered until recent years watching work from people like yourself. I, I think about the aurora borealis. I think about other atmospheric conditions and weather, which seem most likely that solar rays and radiation can make a, an immediate impact. But it took me a long time to consider. Uh, that the sun can actually affect tectonic plates or volcanic activity. Can you explain how the sun can literally move mountains? Absolutely. So um, if you've ever taken a balloon or even, uh, you know, a piece of plasticware, you know, rubbed it on your head, built up static electricity, then turned on your faucet on a slow drip and you hold it close, you can bend the water just with a little bit of static electricity. Mm. Now, in the ground is mostly water, crystals, iron, and other electromagnetic metals, ores, things like that. These impacts from the sun are global, and they reach all the way down through the mantle into the core. And interestingly enough, uh, as if that knowledge doesn't already make you think, okay, wait a minute, this electromagnetic energy is going all throughout the earth. What's its effect on water, on crystals, on iron? The most conductive points on the planet are the fault zones. They actually seek out the cracks in the earth. And that's where the energy wants to go down. Uh, Just like lightning is always seeking ground, uh, you know, the same reason why it's safer to be in a car in a thunderstorm rather than standing outside holding a golf club up in the air. Mm -hmm. Um, Unlike lightning, what the sun does is it increases the general ambient electricity in the atmosphere. A lot of people don't think about electricity in the atmosphere outside of lightning, but our atmosphere is absolutely electrified. There's, you know, 
an amazing voltage differential just between your feet and the top of your head. And this energy is constantly going up and down. And when we get hit with this electromagnetic energy from the sun, it actually enhances the up and down energy. And it's not just from the top of the sky down to the ground, it integrates within the crust. And when there's an excess of that energy, it tries to seek ground or the core, uh, so to speak. And so it will be going down into the ground. And simple experiments you can do in your kitchen with static electricity and water. Uh, I have to presume most people understand that electromagnetic forces can affect iron. Uh, even if you don't know that they can affect crystals, I'll just tell you now, they, they absolutely can. When you charge up a crystal and then discharge it, it can actually translocate. It'll actually move on its own as it's discharging that electric energy. And so this is what's actually happening. This is how the sun is triggering these bigger earthquakes. and. It turns out that the bigger earthquakes you look at, the more correlated they are with the sun. You know, if you're looking at magnitude two, magnitude three earthquakes, now there are still regular geologic processes that can make those. When you start to get above magnitude six, then you're like, okay, there's now a statistical, a significant statistical correlation with solar activity. And when you get above magnitude seven, it jumps up in a big way. And when you get above magnitude eight, we're talking about nearly every single magnitude 8 earthquake on record since we have been looking at the sun in this way is correlated with these major events on the sun. And so uh, once you simply understand that, hey, wait a minute, there's this electromagnetic exchange between where that solar energy is coming in and the ground beneath our feet, it's very simple to say okay well wait a minute that's full of water crystals iron of course it's going to react to a major electromagnetic surge going through it i mean these are the same surges that can take out power grids they can blow up transformers they can uh, seriously affect the jet stream of course they're going to have an effect on the water the crystals and the iron in the ground now you're also coming on right now during a time when we have this immense black hole uh, or this this hole in our in our sun right now. I I, I saw it getting uh, reported on again. That what what is it? Um, I got the I had it up over here. That they're saying that the, the giant hole in the sun is now bigger than sixty Earths and is currently exploding. Now uh, this is all happening around the same time that 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 earthquake happened in the Philippines. Uh, I know that we had a couple of significant volcanic uh, eruptions recently too. Um, can you explain, before we go on to something else, because what you had just mentioned there about water, I want to comment on too, so I don't want to get too far away from it, can, but can you quickly comment sure. about how, um, explain how these these holes in the sun, these dark spots are so significant, because when I see a big black spot in the sun, I say to myself, oh, it must be cooler there. But some, uh, but from what I understand now, this is actually more so acting like a cosmic cannon of some point and it just like it's what, what what the hell's going on here a fire hose is probably a better way to think about it okay so those protons and, and electrons i mentioned earlier the sun is constantly blasting out protons electrons plasma away from it in all directions it's a constant thing it's been going on for billions of years it never stops but that large black area you're talking about is what they call a coronal hole and these coronal holes have magnetic fields that instead of arching 
from one spot to another on the sun. They stream out into space. In fact, they go all the way out past Pluto and they cause an enhancement of that solar wind. So more protons, more electrons. And so on December 1st, in my morning show, I actually declared an earthquake watch because of that large coronal hole, that large dark spot on the sun. Now, why are these specifically um, such an impactor of earthquakes? Well, not only do they do the same things that solar flares do, so there's the enhancement of the solar wind. We've got more protons, more electrons. There's more of that electromagnetic energy coming to Earth. But remember what I said a minute ago, the magnetic fields that are coming out of those stretch all the way out past Pluto. We are talking magnetic fields from a star that reach all the way through the solar system. Well, what do you think happens to those magnetic fields when that dark spot is directly facing Earth? Those magnetic fields directly connect to our planet. Mm. Those have major impacts on the iron in the ground, major impacts on iron in the ground. It's basically like a magnet, the power of a star being put directly at the Earth. And so it, it's no it's no wonder why for the last decade, we have been able to predict these upticks in earthquakes and volcanoes based on those exact coronal holes, which is what we did on December 1st. We said, hey, look, for three or four days, we've got an earthquake watch right now. And of course, the Philippines started shaking tremendously and it is finally dying down now, thankfully. Uh, there were some deaths in the uh, Philippine event, but it, it, it's basically the same thing. Whether we're talking about you know, most people have at least heard the term solar flare. A lot of people who are new to this have not heard the term coronal hole. And while they are different things, they both have a strong electromagnetic impact on the entire planet and everything electromagnetic in it. So then that brings me to something else. Uh, radiation, and you're, we're talking about the impact of a lot of things, but the impact on human cycles. This is something that you and, and Jimmy Corsetti had talked about a little bit too, and I wanted to, I, I had to take a note on this because recently you've been posting a lot about electricity's effect on water. Well, it reminds me of all the stories that I hear from my friends who work in emergency rooms over the years, how cyclical their workload is uh, and how they could almost base what their worst nights of the year is going to be based on the cycles of the moon. How, you know, people yes. people engage in riskier behavior on full moons. More babies are born. And, and this is where I start to see, um, you know, where the positioning of our stars and planets can really have an impact on human behavior and how those people who understand the clockwork of that uh, start planning their own events around where the stars are aligned that evening. But um, whether it's the moon's impact on the tides or the sun's output itself, it, when you think about the fact that people, you and I, are mostly water, uh, people are essentially a walking ocean on land, and I, I, I can yes. I can see how the sun as well as the moon could be a uh, can have a, a, a large amount of sway on us as as individuals just by by the fact that we are you know when you when you uh, run electricity through a small puddle of water and you watch it move I got to imagine that we respond in similar ways as individuals. Absolutely, and without question, and it's not just the water. But, you know, everything from <clears throat> neurons firing to a heartbeat to your lungs breathing to processes in individual cells, nearly everything that happens inside our body 
involves the movement of ions, whether that's magnesium, calcium, sodium, electrolytes, electrolytes. Literally, these electrified particles are responsible for every cellular and organ process inside of our bodies. And so, yeah, we are mostly water. That's going to be affected. Every cellular process we have is electrodynamic. They are going to be affected as well. This is this is the kind of thing where we're putting together A and B, and neither one is denied by their respective scientific subfields. But this is where we could really use that old Renaissance-type interdisciplinary thinking, tying things together. You know, I, I I can't hate on specialization of science because it's where most of modern day breakthroughs come. However, to be a major scientist in a field right now, you got to live in a box. Yeah, you can't be picking your head up and looking around and seeing what everybody else is doing. You have to be laser like focused on what you're doing and just what you are doing. And then you have to grade papers, grade tests, go to department meetings at, at your university, uh, hold office hours, teach classes. And so there's a lot going on in addition to the requirement for these scientists to be laser-like focused that we have really lost this interdisciplinary marrying together of different sciences to see exactly, okay, hey, wait a minute, you're doing this over here, you're doing this over here. What can we learn if we put them together? Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I had professors and NASA scientists in my inbox, as I mentioned earlier, because it, it became very clear to me that people who study earthquakes do not look at the sun. People who study the sun do not look at the weather and so on and so forth. And me not having to teach classes, me not having to grade papers or deal with department politics, I could look at all of these things and pull them together. And it became very clear that they weren't looking at these other subjects because elementary school kids can see, hey, wait a minute, when, the, when this happens, this happens over here. And they do. I've taught many middle school and elementary school classes on this where I've simply shown them events that take place and they get it. Mm -hmm. And some of the questions that the classes ask me are indicative of them understanding exactly what's going on. And so this is kind of a, I mean, I don't know if this is necessarily anyone's fault rather than just the progression of science into a more and more specified regime, but we have lost that interdisciplinary Renaissance type thinking and that's where an unbelievable amount of discovery is just waiting mm. for humanity right now. It's yeah, just waiting for it. It, it goes so far beyond science, though. Too. I mean, you can't call up a uh, you can't call up a, a a carpet installation company without having to talk to a thread specialist, and then somebody comes on to talk about it. You know, it's it's horrible. I, I don't know what the hell it is. Maybe it's just because there's something very. Uh, know, everybody feels good about being a specialist in something, but you lose that holistic understanding of what's going on. Where you ha when you need a whole team of doctors to talk about, you know, one specific patient, it's, it can get a little bit. You know, there's too many cooks in the kitchen. It, it really is crazy. Absolutely. Yeah. Well. Absolutely. So then, so then, let's talk about the actual flip. Now that we have the basis of how this could be affected and how it would all work from the sun to the tectonic plates and all that, the, the, how its effect on water. How does this play out? Is it a, would it be a 180 degree vertical flip? The South becomes the North. Is it a 90 degree? Does Antarctica end up being at the equator? What, what do you think? 
It is 90 degrees. The reason we know this is because of some key pieces of evidence. And I don't go through all of them here, but I'll give my two favorites. There are some fossilized tree, uh, trees in Scandinavia, Norway, Sweden, Finland, that don't have any rings. And these are from about 12 or 13,000 years ago. Now there is one place in the world that the trees don't have tree rings, and that's the tropics. The tropics don't have tree rings like that because they don't have those same kind of seasons that produce the tree rings in a place like Canada or Scandinavia. The other thing is a uh, technically still classified bit of material from Project Nanook in the 1940s, which was a project led by Major Maynard White up in the Arctic. And thank goodness he had the foresight to realize that people needed to know this. So he kept a bunch of documents. He kept a bunch of stuff from the Pentagon meetings uh, where the OSS, now the CIA, was involved. And he gave them to his son, Ken White, to publish decades later, which thankfully he did. And basically what they show is when they were looking to you know, figure out about the North Pole and how it seemed to be moving. Even back in the 1940s, they were starting to recognize this. They dug down deep into the sediment, but what they found was after a couple of feet of, you know, muck and polar fossils, there was a layer of tropical fossils and then a layer of polar fossils beneath it and then a layer of tropical fossils beneath that and so on and so forth. Nine layers they were able to find. And they determined that these layers would take approximately 12,000 years each to build up. And so how do you get trees with no tree rings in Scandinavia? How do you get alternating layers of polar, tropical, polar, tropical fossils in the Arctic? Well, you can answer both of those if the Earth tips 90 degrees and the North and South Pole end up at the equator. Mm. And... It just so happens that there were actual Pentagon documents, which again, thankfully, Major White kept. I mean, granted, he broke the law, but thank thank goodness he did. Um, that the OSS, which again, eventually morphed into the CIA, the OSS is the Office of Strategic Services. Um, <clears throat> they and the Rand Corporation, along with a couple other government scientists, determined that the Earth flips to 90 degrees and then the next cycle, it'll flip back and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Now, there's two good questions that come along with this. One, the question is, hey, wait a minute, but don't we have evidence of a million-year-old ice in Antarctica? Wouldn't that have melted if it was at the equator? That's the first question. And the second question is, what causes the Earth to actually do this? 90 degree tilt and tilt back and tilt and tilt back. So the answer to the first question is actually fairly simple. And there's actually two potential answers. So if you don't know about how troubling isotope dating is, it's it's very troubling. They have absolutely no idea what they're doing in large part. Carbon dating can be way off. Um, <clears throat> my favorite example was they thought that the Tibetan ice caps were more than half a million years old. And then they used Krypton isotope dating and said, well, wait a minute. I think we have a maximum age of 17,000 years. Jeez. How do you go from more than half a million to a maximum age of only 17,000? Big margin of error. 
<laughs> that that's quite the margin of error. And so one, I don't trust their dating of that ice in Antarctica. But two, let's just play devil's advocate. Let's just say they're right. And it is a million year old ice in Antarctica. There are still glaciers in the tropics today, right now. Yes, they are melting, but there are glaciers in the tropics today. And the last 12,000 years is what we call an interglacial. It's been warmer than it's been in 100,000 years. In fact, before this last chunk of time, we were in ice age, glacial cycles. So if there's still glaciers in the tropics today during an interglacial warm period, how much of the polar ice is really going to melt, even if you stick it at the equator where those glaciers are now, but the world is 5, 10, 15 degrees colder? The answer is it's just not going to melt in time. Hmm. And so uh, that's the answer to the first one, and it's fairly simple. It doesn't matter if you choose the isotope dating problems or the glacial, interglacial cycles and looking at the fact that we still have ice at the tropics today. Then we come to the interesting one. What makes the Earth actually turn over like that? Believe it or not, the Earth is trying to do that right now as we speak. When you have something that's spinning, if there's one little point on the spinning ball that is heavier, just it, it weighs more. So let's say you've got a perfect, uh, a perfect sphere, and then you were to drop you know, a tiny little magnet on the top of it just so it sticks to the to to this metal ball that's spinning one of a one of the basic principles of physics is on a spinning object the points that have the most weight will want to spin at the point of greatest centrifugal force which is the equator the equator is spinning at a higher velocity than than the polar regions are because they don't have as far to go but they all make a turn in the same amount of time which means that for the equator to do it it's got to be going much faster much more centrifugal force and so whatever part of the world weighs the most wants to be at the equator gotcha so right now that is the polar ice that is stacked on top of the the ground and 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 the oceans there so if it's trying to do that if it wants to do that why isn't it doing that because earth is currently locked the crust and the mantle are actually locked together you know in theory when you look at generally what the crust looks like and generally what the mantle looks like the plates should be banging around into one another like pieces of plywood on a lake in a windstorm. But that's not what happens. Because where the crust and the mantle meet, there's a partial melt layer. It's not like we go rock, 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 and then all of a sudden it's completely liquid rock, in which case it would act like plywood on top of a lake. That interface region is a partial melt, kind of like kind of like glue before it dries or chilled honey and so it's sort of acting as a as a sticky thing that is locking them together but do you remember what i said earlier this electromagnetic energy from the sun when it hits the earth it goes all the way down and remember what i said earlier about the crust how the most conductive points are the fault lines which is where the electricity is going to want to go in the most conductive layer of the earth is that mantle crust boundary there are stronger electric currents there than anywhere else 
Now, what happens as Earth loses its magnetic field, it loses its protection, that electromagnetic energy from the sun is coming in more and more and more and amplifying the electric currents, especially at that crust mantle boundary, more and more to the point where at some stage, this magnetic pole shift is going to let in so much solar energy that it's going to surge such electrical current through that layer that it's going to have significant effects on that rock or partially melted rock, and it will unlock the crust from the mantle. They release it from now, this it. Is yeah. actually, this is actually something that several scientists, including Albert Einstein, did the math on way, way back decades ago. They saw the evidence that it happens. They were convinced the Earth turns over, and that's true of Einstein as well. They even knew that you had to unlock the crust from the mantle, but they couldn't figure out how you unlock the crust from the mantle, but they never looked at Earth's changing magnetic field and they never looked at the sun. They looked at everything from great earthquakes to huge volcanic eruptions. That didn't work because they would be isolated and you couldn't unlock the entire crust at one time. They were thinking, okay, well, what if you just dumped so much ice and snow at the polar regions that it just weighed so much it broke the crust free? They figured out even if you were to evaporate all the water in the oceans and dump it as ice on the polar regions, that wouldn't be enough. There had to be something, and that's where, unfortunately, most of those scientists died without ever coming to an actual answer. The answer has come in the decades since then, since we've been able to classify that crust mantle boundary as being exceptionally conductive. Since we've been able to monitor the electrical activity and say, hey, wait a minute, the sun has these electrical impacts all the way down through the ground. So now we couple this with the evidence in the tree rings in the Arctic, plus about three dozen other things I didn't mention because I don't want to take up all time just discussing evidence. So we know that the earth turns over. We have that evidence. They were convinced of it back then as well. We know how the sun impacts the layer that must be unlocked to account for the evidence. And it just so happens the sun will have the perfect opportunity to do that when Earth's protective magnetic field is weaker. And the about the only conclusion that Einstein and those other scientists made all those decades ago was that the Earth flip happens when the magnetic flip happens. And so it, everything lines up absolutely perfectly. It's the only way to explain the evidence. It's, uh, is that okay? Yeah, yeah. Well, the, well, the way that you've put it together for people, it's, it's very... It's very easy to digest, and there definitely is a logical string that goes throughout all of it. Now, obviously, I don't know. I don't. It's, there's, I'm in a position where I don't know uh, all the the questions, the follow up questions to ask. But still, this is is very compelling stuff, and it's also pretty frightening. Um, uh, first of all, I'm in New York, so we would pass through the equator and probably end up somewhere. We would be the new South America at some point. Um, but but you know when you think about that 90 degrees coming on down and the pole and the 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 poles are now at the equator, uh, I have to imagine that is the real issue. Is the 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 melting of the ice? Are we looking at a water world, uh, Kevin Costner situation, or what is the real big? Uh, I, what is the death blow to mankind when this happens? Because it's not just that. Oh, tsunamis. we're what's that? S tsunamis. Tsunamis. Because think about it, 
the crust is shifted, but the oceans are not attached to the crust. They're just shifting there. And so uh, uh, basically what you're going to have is the oceans continuing their inertia and the crust moving. So we're going to have titanic tsunamis, both as the crust moves in one direction and then when it stops from the sloshing back of the waters. And so a place like New York City at some point will likely be several hundred feet under the ocean. Now, now I know why you are uh, you're you're in the mountains right now. I get. Yep. I guess that's that's a whole. Have uh, you did you grow up there, or is this like Cleon Skousen kind of? Uh... I'm, I'm, I'm from Pittsburgh. Okay. I'm from Steeler. Um. But uh, it became readily apparent, and you know, here's the other thing you can notice: we we can look back and see that there were several civilizations that managed to survive the last one, and in fact, we're still here talking. Humans have survived this every single time it's happened. It hasn't wiped us out yet. But specifically looking back at the last one, all the cultures that survived, they were not living near an ocean. They were living in high elevation, and they had a way to hide underground. Whether you're looking at the cave dwellings, which aren't too far away from me here in Colorado, or you're looking at those underground cities in Turkey, or other places of the world, these are areas where there is evidence of humans actually making it through the last cycle. And obviously with the tsunamis I just mentioned, that's why you don't want to be near the ocean. There's evidence that some of these tsunamis can cross continents, which is why you want to be at as high an elevation as humanly possible. But also, when this is happening, there's going to be some pretty unbelievable weather going on from wind to hail to lightning. Basically the worst weather you could imagine for several days and weeks after this flip as the earth is basically reorganizing itself, there's going to be a need to hide underground. And so it's it's the three things that all the surviving civilizations from the last one have in common away from oceans, high elevation, and a way to hide underground. And the underground thing, it doesn't have to be some mild, deep bunker. In fact, you wouldn't want to be too deep because who knows what's going to happen. There should be great earthquakes worldwide when the world goes like this. Massive magma movement. You don't want to be that deep underground. Something like a root cellar yeah. would work. Well, I, I, um, I saw that. What's his name? Sam Bankman fried the guy with the FTX stuff, with the I, I, there was there's this new thing that's going around that he and his friends were actually thinking about building themselves a nice little bunker community on a privately owned island. And I'm saying to myself, you know, how connected is this guy? Is this just a, you know, a slightly autistic uh, crypto dealer that just doesn't know what to do? All the billions that he thought would always be, uh, you know, flowing in, or did his his uh, his mentors and and uh, elder statesmen in his family say, um, we're, we're going to have a situation in a couple of decades. Well, you know, it, it's there's tons of examples. You know, Kim Kardashian actually got in trouble with uh, the, her local county because she broke some regulations when she was building her doomsday bunker. The million dollar bunker business, it is exploding right now among celebrities, CEOs, etc. But my favorite examples are two of the richest men in the world. So let's take Jeff Bezos first. 
most people have heard that he's putting this huge clock inside of a mountain. It's a front. Um, I know locals there. I've talked to people who know law enforcement there. There are cement trucks constantly coming in and out of that place. There are armed security. There is other kinds of stuff that has nothing to do with the clock. And this mountain that he is hollowing out sits across the street from his Blue Origin launch facility. Now, granted, Blue Origin isn't exactly SpaceX or NASA, but literally Jeff Bezos is making it so he can go up or he can go down into the mountain. What's Elon Musk doing? Obviously, everyone knows about SpaceX. Do you know about his boring company? He's digging tunnels everywhere. He can go up. He can go down. The same for uh, Richard Branson. He's got several bunkers in different locations. And, you know, Virgin Galactic, he's trying to get up to the top of the sky and into space as well. This is something that all the, quote, elites are doing and making ready for themselves. And, you know, don't listen to what they say. Just watch what they do. It's a good point. That's a great That'll point. That'll tell you what's happening. Yeah. Okay. So listen, I, I, w- w- I would love to hold you over on the other side of intermission for a little while longer. I've got a bunch of things I want to still ask you. I don't want to take up too much of your time, though. But uh, w- is that okay with you? A minute and a half break? Yeah, I want to go get a glass of water. I'll okay. Be right back. Sounds great. Everybody, listen, uh, uh, Ben Davidson's going to be back with me in just a second. We are going to go and uh, flip over to um, to pill.net. That link is in the description of wherever the hell you're watching right now. I tweeted them all out there. You can click right through the, to the pilled, the direct link on pilled, or as always, quite frankly.tv. It is two clicks. It is one click over to the new site. To, out, to, to my sites, that's been the way it's been for years now, and the second click to press play. There's no paywall, nothing like that. I've got so much more. I know that Ben has had a lot of people from NASA get it. I want to have some NASA questions. I know that there's some flat earthers out there that are having a good time right now. Saw that going on, um, and I, we can talk about that after it takes some calls or whatever. But I have uh, a lot of great things to still do, and I want you all to be there with us. So here we go. We're flipping over. I will see you on the other side. It's treason, then. It's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you. Welcome to intermission. We'll we'll be right back.
quite frankly. 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 We all support quite frankly. Not quite. Quite frankly. Go Brandon. Quite frankly. In Roma Italia. Quite frankly. You're going on Frank's show tonight? I want to get a Coke. Can I get a Coke? So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen. We're back over here on a chilly December evening talking about, I don't know, I don't know. It's not necessarily a positive night as far as the outlook goes. The far, <laughs> but I'm having, I don't know why I still have fun with this kind of stuff. It's an itch that for some reason I always want to scratch. And um, man, we got Ben Davidson here tonight and it's going just as bad as as amazing as I thought it would. Now, Ben, I would have to imagine that if all this doesn't happen, would that be the greatest piece of evidence that the world is actually in fact flat? Because if uh, it, 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 I guess you can't you can't turn the Earth ninety degrees if it's flat, it would be a pancake effect, right? I mean, I guess we could have that discussion. We could also have a discussion. How would this be different if I was a giraffe? Um, you know, uh, about eight years ago, I debunked the entire two hundred point flat Earth Bible, and. Uh, most of it was making me laugh a lot. Um, well, we don't it's have a combination don't... of making stuff up and misunderstanding physics. Um, but you know, if it doesn't happen, um, you know, it brings up the question of where do these stories come from about the sun rising in a different place, about the sun standing still in the sky. How do you get these tree rings in Scandinavia that obviously grew in the tropics? How do you get these alternating layers in the Arctic? It's kind of like, okay, well, we could have that hypothetical, but it doesn't change the fact that this evidence exists and it must be accounted for. You know, the the greatest catastrophist, someone who studies this stuff of all time, gets almost no recognition. You know, people talk about Charles Hapgood. People talk about Einstein agreeing that the earth flips over. People even talk more than a century ago about Cuvier and Deluc, there was a guy named Hibbett, and he noticed that people had all these different ideas, all these different potential explanations, but none of them addressed all of the evidence that comes with these events. And he said, this science will not be complete until we can answer all of the evidence. You can't just ignore something because it's inconvenient. You can't just ignore something because it doesn't fit in your explanation. You have to be able to explain every last little beat piece of evidence with this event. And that's really where I, I, I come down on, on the matter. Now, if there's a specific question about 
oh, something no. somebody said about flat earth evidence, I'm happy to discuss it. But oh no, 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 no. It, it actually, it, it's one of my one of the things I'd like to do in 2024 is is finally put put together a because I, you know, I I come from a spherical Earth bias. Uh, that so I I when I speak with somebody like you about this stuff, we're already I'm not I'm not here to to actually challenge that we have a foundation in common. So when it comes to something like that, that's something I would like to actually be a mediator in a debate and sit back and just watch people who understand science. Well, one way one way or another, Ben, I wouldn't be able to prove the the the, the shape of the earth if you told me do it right now. I, I wouldn't be able to do it. Uh, despite what my biases tell me and how I, how I was brought up and how I see the, the world. So I would actually like to be a mediator in a, in a, um, in a nice friendly dialectic on something like that than anything else. I was just cracking a little bit of a joke right now, uh, in the meantime, but I do have this, I want to, and I want to ask you about NASA a little bit in a second, but you know, most people, most people watching right now see climate change as one of the, the biggest political swindles of all time. How do you think the narrative will unfold as we get closer to this this big event that you're talking about here? Because we're we're getting the the articles right now; they're being written from a very myopic standpoint. But how do you see the management of this? This is huge. This is bigger than Independence Day and the aliens coming down. Uh, there's just there's just no hiding it. So, what what have you always thought will be the management of it in a in a media sense? I don't think they're going to let it go. You know, there was a time where I thought, hey, look, the evidence is going to come out and they're not going to have a choice and they're not going to be able to pull the wool over people's eyes. Then more evidence came out, including the evidence that Earth has the self-correction mechanism. You know, these warm periods that the Earth has, that's when the, the ice is locked at the poles. When you start melting that, and you start dumping meltwater and icebergs into the ocean that is cold, fresh water. That means it's going to chill the oceans, which will then chill the atmosphere. It's going to freshen the oceans, making it easier for them to freeze. How do you stop water from freezing or boiling or at least delay it? You add salt. And so They've actually discovered that these things called Heinrich events, they happen again about every 6,000 years, not a coincidence. They involve the earth heating up, ice being lost from the polar regions, that chilling the oceans, which then chills the atmosphere and kicks us back into the cold direction, which is exactly what is beginning right now. That evidence came out, the evidence about the fact that it's the sun and changing magnetic field of the planet rather than plant food causing the climate change we've seen so far. There's the fact that we're just one big volcano away from re-entering an ice age, and they're not budging. And I was like, okay, well, even if they don't want to budge, it's not like the people are just going to keep buying this Mm -hmm. forever. And then COVID happened, and I realized these people will believe anything. (laughs) As long as the talking face on the TV screen says it, they will believe it. And there's nothing we can do to to change some of their minds. We're not talking about intellectual discussion. We're talking cognitive dissonance, normalcy bias, and ego here. And yeah, well, you can't win an argument against that. It's just never going to work. 
I know. Uh, I know. It, it's all. It's like the, uh, it's the that that Tool song, Anima. Uh, when you, you you think about that, it, I, I get to, you get to that point of the song where they're talking about the the Earth just really just uh, going through these cataclysmic changes, and then it's just going to be the the dumbfounded dipshits who just don't understand what's what's going on. And um, and I, it's kind of sad. It's scary. It's sad. But at the same time. You know, uh, we got to make the best of what we have. And so I have to imagine that because all of this, so, what you're saying, uh, would be so primarily driven by the sun that there's not really much that could be done to either accelerate or delay what's coming. Because if so, how would anyone benefit from doing that? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. We are, at the end of the day, we're ants. Um, you know, we can put it this way. You can throw a rock into a stream and create ripples. But at the end of the day, all that water is going to go where it was going anyway. There's nothing you throwing a rock into the stream is going to do. Um, this is going to happen. And at the end of the day, we can't rival the power of our planet, much less the power of the sun. And we are very much at the will of nature and astrophysics in terms of what's coming and i'm not sure we should try to screw with natural cycles or play god with our planet um might end up causing more harm than good and so uh yeah i, I think you're absolutely right about that so as far as nasa's role in this all this goes is that there are they just more so part of that media firewall because like as you said before you had these uh several of these nasa scientists uh, so-called uh, apparently uh, blow the whistle uh, of sorts and work with you to confirm that what you're saying is true i can't imagine that this has been good for their careers have they faced any repercussions that you know of um the ones who have decided to try to come out and talk about this have had some repercussions um the best example i can think of is um, the two scientists who joined me in publishing the paper on how the sun triggers earthquakes, it did get published, but because if the sun can trigger earthquakes, obviously it can affect the climate more than they'd like us to believe. One of the scientists was Dr. Kong Papu Yen. He worked for NASA. He was not only booted out of NASA, he was run out of the country. He's back in Thailand. The other one, Dr. Holloman, was the head of the statistics department at Ohio State. He had to leave Ohio State. Now, he got a little luckier. He landed at Duke. And so he's doing okay. But I have seen professors lose tenure. I have seen them become ostracized within their peer community and within their scientific communities. If you don't play this game, which is all about following the narrative so you can get grant money, you are very much ostracized and ostracized or worse, put it that way. Uh, I, I've seen people lose grants, lose jobs, lose tenure, lose friends. Um, it really is about as brutal as uh, high school girls picking on each other. So do you do, brutal as it gets? Do, uh, yeah, well, especially when money gets involved with it. I mean, obviously, you're just you're looking for the payday and because with that money comes the instructions of what your conclusions must be. Oh, exactly. So exactly. It it's just as easy to buy a scientist as it is a politician. 
just as easy, no different whatsoever. Well, on that on that on that note with politicians, do you believe that most world leaders know the truth about what's coming, um, or, or is the, how exclusive is the company of those in the know? Uh, you know, does Justin does does Justin Trudeau know what's coming? I can't see a ditzy guy like that. No matter whether he's a prime minister or a president, would actually be let in on anything. He's, he seems like such an outcast. That's a tough question. I don't know about Justin Trudeau, but um, the way that the UN and the World Economic Forum are trying to seize control and reduce freedom, they want as much control and power and resources as possible before this goes down. When it comes to the United States, if it seems like they are acting recklessly, it's because they know there's no reckoning. If it seems like they're spending, like there's no tomorrow, it's because they know that on a specific timeline, there isn't one. And, you know, whether that's every politician or just a few members of intelligence agencies and presidents, you'd just be guessing at that point. Um, It's hard to imagine that everyone involved in politics knows. Um, Somebody would spill the beans at some point. But it's very clear that there are powerful interests on this planet who are keeping it a secret. And a lot of them are probably keeping it a secret because they believe they have to. You know, I don't know if you saw the movie 2012. Apart from the disaster itself, the closest thing to a villain in the movie 2012 is that guy who works for the government. But he actually says the smartest thing anybody says in that entire movie. He said... What do you just want to tell everyone they're doomed? There'll be chaos. There'll be anarchy. And that's a good point. If the people completely lose it on this planet, there won't be anything left to save. Yeah. And any any efforts that are being made to prepare for it would be stifled by that chaos and by that anarchy. And so um, I would be willing to bet that a, a lot of them know And most of the ones who do know are keeping quiet because they believe it's in the best interest of individuals. Now, granted, yeah, there are some evil individuals up at the high power levels in this world. And I'm not speaking for them. But, you know, just in this country alone, how many congressmen, senators, governors, state congressmen, state senators, they're not all just super evil human beings. No, but I, they've got a really good they've got a really good and easy way of convincing them. Hey, look, do you care about people? Do you want to be the modern day version of Batman? Do you want to save people? Keep your mouth shut. Now, I bet you, a lot of them just go along with that. I, I yeah, and I and I think see when you bring this up because tonight is one of those nights where we're we're just, we're we're soaking in your data and really weighing it all out. And I'll tell you. When I consider the uh, the Agenda 21 timeline, that is very interesting right now when I lay out 2030, and then the next significant date for the Agenda 21 people after 2030 is 2050. And that is supposed to be the, the implementation date. 2030 is when the infrastructure for what they want to do to create a new globalized world with a, a solitary culture, economy, religion, all that stuff needs to be in place. But 2050 is supposed to be their, their, their finish line. 
Uh, when you think about what, what I consider what you are saying is going to happen between that 20, that 20 years in between 30 and 50, uh, it, it, it makes you, it really makes you scratch your head. It really does that that's waiting for us at the end of it. Yeah. And you know, they, they really sort of had to do it like that. You know, they got a bunch of people in the last decade, um, eyes open on the 2030 thing. But it really was all always Agenda 21. And what happened in 2021? They really started the draconian mandates and the absolute lunacy with how the governments were behaving. I mean, they were always a bit goofy and inefficient, but it was never anything like this. I mean, we're, we're, we're full-blown clown world right now with no end in sight. And I don't think they have a planned end to it. I think things are just going to be getting worse and worse as well, we progress towards that. You had said, um, you had talked about the, uh, the you, uh, speaking to their rules. Um, I've heard, I've seen you speak about this a lot. We talk a lot about revelation of the method on this show over the years. Um, I have this, this tweet from you from today, actually. So people have been asking me for the rules of the game that they play. Here are a few. Number one is karmic retribution. They must tell you what they're going to do. We, we discussed that a lot. The fair contest. You can rig the game, cheat, whatever, but you cannot leave no outs. It must be within the realm of possibility for either side to actually win. We've seen, we've seen a couple of squeakers actually happen in the last 10 years. But here's the third one. I'd love for you to expand on this. Weapons of war, use your own sword, and if you do not, first declare that it is not your own sword. Can you give us an example about this or make it relevant to what we're talking about right now? Because this one I have not heard before. So there's a lot of people in the last year or two that started talking about the magnetic changes on Earth, the pole shift, the thing I'm talking about. Almost nobody mentions me. Almost nobody. And what's interesting is... They are all not just using the same information, citing the same papers. Some of them are using my exact language from videos. The moment they do it, I watch them get attacked. Whether it's from mainstream media, whether it's censor happy social media, or whoever else it's coming from. The moment somebody tries to pick up something else and be like, ah, I heard this person say this. This is a good point. I have this huge channel and this huge following. I don't need to worry about this other individual. I'm just going to put forth this like it came out of my like came out of my brain, my mouth. They get absolutely drowned instantly. Um, I've seen this happen with other individuals too, but because the pole shift topic is very near and dear to me, I I watch this happening. I mean, you really can't post any kind of article on any wide red news site, you can't post anything on Twitter about this topic and I don't find out about it. I'm gonna see it. And what I see all the time is people literally copying and pasting, sometimes metaphorically, stuff I have said or stuff I have shown or diagrams or math I have done. And then literally within 24 hours, they are censored, they are blacklisted, their account is banned, they are getting attacked by this group or that group or these talking heads. I watch it all the time and it's 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 weird because 
the group we're fighting, I generally genuinely believe that they're Satanists. Everything from the Epstein stuff to um, adrenochrome to child sex trading, everything like that, to the blatant satanic symbolism that is being put up all around the world, it, whether it's in statues or it's at the Super Bowl halftime show or the Grammys, or even in entertainment, in movies and in music videos, things like that. It's very obvious what's happening. But what's interesting is these Satanists follow these rules. And when I say they follow these rules, they follow them as strictly as Muslims pray. And that's not an over-exaggeration. Whether or not Satan's a real person or, or, or a real entity, whether or not their Satanism gives them any power, whether or not it's real doesn't matter. What matters is they believe it and they have power over things on this planet and they believe it so they abide by the rules. And you can use those rules to not only figure out what's happening, but to insulate yourself in a fight against them. You know, Alex Jones, Alex Jones, holy cow. He, he said probably a thousand different things that could have gotten him banned, right? The day he got banned, it was because of something he had said, I think two days before. And I know that he took words from somebody else. I can't remember where they came from. I actually recognized it back then. I've had a billion things on my mind between now and then, but I'm thinking about it because you brought it up. And I, I know he didn't credit that individual. And then he, he crossed other certain lines. Um, why then? Why was he banned at that point? Well, I would, ha I would have to, I would, do you remember what it was? I, I would like to, because that, I've... So it, it was in the same episode where he called Muslims dogs, you know, but, and everyone thought, oh, that must be it. And, you know, okay, maybe it was, or maybe it was for the first time I saw Alex Jones plagiarizing somebody else, picking up a sword that wasn't his own and not declaring it. He always gave credit to where he was finding those things. Hmm. You know, the revelation thing, it's, it's very interesting. I don't know about the Alex. Yeah. I, I remember the day that he started getting banned off of everything, even on Pinterest. It was very, very weird. And, um, and uh, you know, I, I had at that point, I'd been familiar in watching Infowars stuff and documentaries for many, many years. So to, to see that, I knew that it was a canary in a coal mine situation. I knew that that was at least going to be part of it, but I didn't pick up anything else. I got to I got to dig into it a little bit more. But these rules you talk about, they really go back to why I uh, I take special interest into the correlation between celestial motion and the patterns of human history, because the clockwork of the universe is very, very predictable. And for those who have figured that out a long time ago, they don't seem to deviate from making plans according to that clockwork. And, and they even see they pay attention to numbers in ways that normies just can't conceive of. And you know, you brought up you brought up Satan. You brought up uh, Satanists. Uh, and and I want to ask you as one of the last questions that I have for you tonight: How do how do you feel? Where are you right now spiritually? And how has this helped you develop a spiritual life? Because um, you know, I have to imagine that even though you're doing the math and you're, you're studying the stars, 
uh, you you have to account at least in some way for the supernatural because even though this oh, is yeah. not, this is not a planetary there's not one, it's not like it's a, it's a planetary killer nobody's left behind but th- what you're describing is very close to an end of days scenario it, it's exactly what is described in the bible um they literally describe what i've described is going to happen to the earth they talk about this in the bible they talk about a big blast from the sun in the bible many different times my favorite is revelation 16 8 and the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun and the power was given unto him with the scorched men with fire it's just one example but it was not until i started putting together from a scientific perspective exactly what should be happening to the sun and to the earth during this cycle that i realized wait a minute this is what the bible says all right well what else does the bible say is going to happen it describes what's going to be happening with governments and what's happening with individuals, what's happening among the people. Well, that's exactly what we're seeing right now. I mean, everything from sin, especially things like degeneracy, adultery, um, stealing, off the charts, uh, things about uh, the way the governments will act and the way that the masses will act. Not only is that what we're seeing, but you can get there from the scientific side of things as well. What do I mean by that? Remember that extra radiation that's coming in as we lose Earth's protective shield? It mm. does two things to the brain. One, it decreases cognition, which means you get dumber. Two, it excites the locus ceruleus, which increases your reactivity to anxiety, panic, fear, and terror, which also actually helps you make terrible decisions. So people are getting dumber. They're becoming more emotionally reactive and more likely to make bad decisions. Not only is that precisely what we would expect based on what is happening to the earth, people getting dumber and getting more emotionally reactive is exactly what we are seeing. It's not just supposed to happen theoretically, hypothetically, we're actually seeing it. And it's exactly what we see in the Bible, and not just the Bible, several other religious texts as well. I happen to be on that side of things, but, you know, this is in Zoroastrian texts. It's in Vedic stories. The pagans actually had stories about what's coming. It's in the Quran. The Jewish people talk about it. Buddhists talk about it. Taoists. It's everywhere. And there's no way it's all a coincidence, especially when you realize Science tells the exact same story, and we are watching it play out before our eyes in this clown world today. I think uh, you're going to have a, a new neighbor in the next couple of years. I'm going to move out to the, the Rockies. I don't know where the hell, <laughs> the hell it's going to be, but uh, I, I, this is all I keep thinking. I, I knew I wasn't going to retire in New York one way or another. I had to get out of here sooner or later. They're, they're just forcing everybody out eventually. But um, I think that uh, 20, you know, 15 year uh, window of time is more than enough to get my act on the road. Uh, let me ask you um, one, uh, two more fun questions, and then we're done for the night. Uh, you you tweeted out which uh, you retweeted which lecture would you like to attend to uh, attend? Einstein, Tesla, Marie Curie, and Hawking. I have to imagine it's Tesla. Uh, am I right, number one? Oh, and if I am, yep. wh- why is it? What would you want to learn, the, the the number one thing you would want to hear Tesla dissertate on? Um, I would want to hear him talk about uh, 
different frequencies and how they can affect the human body. Um, there's a little bit of stuff out there right now, whether it's electromagnetic frequencies or sound frequencies. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Rife machine, oh, yeah. which can actually heal uh, the body with different frequencies. I think it's the most untapped health resource, um, provided you get the right frequencies. This is a bounty, a, a box of gold sitting at the bottom of the ocean waiting to be found. And it's the exact opposite of all of these exotic, unnatural chemistries that pharmaceutical companies are trying to pump into us. So um, I would really want to hear his his stuff on electromagnetic frequencies more than anything else. You know, on, on frequencies, just as an aside, I got to say that uh, when it comes to the sun, the first time I ever learned about or heard the, the KP index mentioned was in a, uh, a book by the author Lynn McTaggart. It's a book called The Intention Experiment, and it was a whole book talking about uh, these experiments that have been um, put together that measure the effectiveness of concentrated human intention. And and toward the end of the book, there were some, you know, meditation, uh, you know, best meditation practices out there for setting intentions and actually trying to manifest realities you want by focusing on things you wanted. And one of the tools that she that she suggested to keep track of for days that you really want to double down on things that you want to manifest in your life is to meditate on days when the KP index is high, because there's just something yeah. about that what what is coming in that almost charges us up like superman and uh so yeah as, as far as frequency goes and intention i i that just popped up in my head um last question for you this is a question that is uh we've been debating on this show for weeks now and i want to throw it your way because we need to end on a light note if you were in a situation where you came face to face with a rabid group of third graders we're talking about normal, normal, healthy, average strength third graders. How many do you think that you can take on at once before it just it's just one too many? That has got to be the weirdest question somebody has ever asked. <laughs> um, this it sparked so much debate. So, so I, I have a third grader here in my house. My, my daughter, Kira, is eight. Okay. Um, I think it would take a lot of them. See, see yeah. some people, they either go, we've, I've had, my, my buddy said, he went thousands, which I said, dude, you're only flesh and bone. You're going to break down eventually. Others have been around that hundred area. Some have said, I don't know, I think maybe about a dozen. If they swarm you, you got to find a way to isolate them and work around the corner. But I, I just, I know that you're very, you know, you work out, you're a strong guy. So I, I'm wondering about this. Yeah, I, I work out. I've been doing martial arts for quite some time. I would have to say we're in the dozens. Dozens. <laughs> like, like I, I've been in my daughter's classroom, like, I could definitely take the entire classroom at one time. <laughs> I think so. Um, yeah. Maybe two of them. But uh, I, I, I don't know. let's just go with 30. Let's Thir just go with 30. 
that there you go. I think that that's it. We're putting that down on the uh, in the ledger here. Ben Davidson, thirty third graders, in a life or death situation. Ben, I can't thank you enough for this. Now I know the, uh, your your uploads are uh, are a big part of a lot of a lot of people's uh, schedules. I love I love them. I would love to have you back on again one day. And um, and in the meantime, if there's anything you want to plug, anything special you got coming up, uh, let everybody know where to find it, what to look out for, and yeah. The two best places to find me are on YouTube at the channel Suspicious Observers or on X, Twitter, at Sun Weatherman. Um, pretty much everything I do, you're going to be able to find out about through either the YouTube channel or through Twitter. I can't bring myself to call it X. It's Twitter to me. Me too. Um, and so I would say that, yeah, the daily shows, they're super fast. They're three or they're like three to four minutes maximum and they give you everything the sun is doing top science news of the day always anytime something is related to this magnetic pole shift i'm breaking it down for you spend three or four minutes a day watching watching that show and you'll be ahead of almost everybody else on the planet that's the best part about your presentations two to four minutes you 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 can never say no to them and you don't have to put them on two times speed. Uh, thank you for everything, Ben. I would love to love to talk to you again in the future. You are uh, you've been uh, very gracious with your time tonight. I'd love to come back. Thank you very much. This was fun. Have a good night. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Ben Davidson. He's on his way to enjoy the rest of his night. And now, I'll follow up with him later. It's eight thirty-five, and I'm going to take a quick quick break. Did I set something up for a break? I think I did. And then we're going to take calls from you for the last 20 minutes. This was a pretty heavy show. Now, I wouldn't even say that this was a heavy show from the standpoint of the science was heavy because Ben, from his perspective and all of his research and what he's presenting to his audiences, and he has a very, very large audience, the Suspicious Observers channel is somewhere around three-quarters of a million people that subscribe to him and get his, uh, and get his updates. And he he makes appearances on very big shows. That that episode that he did with Jimmy Corsetti was very popular. That was about two months ago. Hundreds of thousands of people have viewed that as well. And he makes uh, he makes very complex concepts pretty easily digestible, and you can see a logical thread throughout all of it. Now I'm sure that there's going to be plenty of people who have objections to it from one reason or another. I'd like to hear what you think. Um, you don't have to just call in and agree with anything because I am just playing gracious host. I'm listening to things. I'm considering them. And I will say it was a heavy night because where the hell we go from here? If that's if if this is if this is what's coming our way. Now, I didn't have uh, too much of a hard time understanding the science aspect of it tonight. But uh, when you talk about the windows of time, oh, I always get very nice and, and comfortable when somebody puts it down for me and tells me, well, you know, yes, this could happen to the earth, but we're looking at something maybe in the, you know, maybe 15,000 years from now. Or I love when somebody said, t tells you about the, the life cycle of the sun. Oh, we only have about 100,000 years left of the life cycle. I was, okay, I'll definitely be dead by then. Uh, but, you know, I'm going to be in my 50s. In, in, in 2040, Aurora is going to be 20 years old. So definitely can't be living in New York at that point. 
And now I don't think even West Tennessee is far enough inland. But I'll go and check out my Cleon Skousen book and and uh, and see exactly where the best place to be is. Uh, I can see Colorado being uh, nice, nice, high desert. Just look for altitude, right? Anyway, um, I will be back in just a second. 914-200-0269. Get your phones ready and call in. All right? We got 20 minutes. I want to fill it all up with you. Have you tried the lasagna? It's my favorite. Give me that. Did you catch a game last night? Mm-hmm. Is it still hot out there? Do you like hot fudge sundaes? Yeah. All right. It says you have the history of the planet was represented by the Empire State Building. The time that human beings have been on Earth would only be a postage stamp at the very top. You realize how insignificant that makes us? I don't feel that way. You're listening, quite frankly. get a chance to meet with the royal family and if not how was it like having them there in the building jesus mary and joseph (laughs) the prince and princess of wales oh no i did not i'm only familiar with one royal family i don't know too much about that one thank you but i'm glad they're hopefully they're celtic fans yeah thank you Ladies and gentlemen, give me a call. I'm going to read your super chats in the meantime. Stostube, thank you so much. Jay Britt says, hey, Frank and Franklies. That's uh, from superchat.com. I didn't plug this enough during the first half of the show. There's a lot of people watching. I would I'd love to have gotten a little bit more um, feedback through, through this. Uh, Notable Zero sent a tip on Rockfin before we dropped off. Thank you so much, Notable Zero. Valsky was our sole rumble rant, said thanks for this interview with Ben Frank, big fan of both of you. And to Ben, Denver sucks. Yeah, well, I don't think he cares too much. Because it's very obvious to me why he's in Denver, and it's called Elevation Above Sea Level. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man, we're going to be like New York. There's not going to be a New York, at least where I am. The Adirondacks will still be there. He's talking about hundreds of feet. Hundreds of feet below sea level. Good golly, Miss Molly. Somebody call in and uh, and, and give me something else to think about. Or make it all go away. Can, can somebody call in and make it all go away? <laughs> Please? I'm, I know Lauren probably tuned out about a half hour ago, if not more. NJSF, thank you so much. Ohio Patriot, thank you. Sean Joe, thank you. Captain Flint, 
Sean Joe just gifted a one month bronze tier subscription. Man, people are just grabbing them all. Chai Possum, thank you. Donasar says, thanks for a great show. Enjoy every day. Chatty KC says, discussion made me think of Edgar Casey's map of the US and it's scary. Got to move away from the coast. Oh, Edgar Casey is big uh, in this discussion. This is a big discussion. We can talk about Tesla or Einstein or anybody else that has examined the Earth um, uh, scientifically, but I mean, there's also people like Casey that we can come around to here. Oh, Lauren said she's still there. Lauren, are you are you okay? Are you in good spirits? You want me to bring you home a chocolate milkshake? Oh, she says I'm depressed, <laughs> but I'm here. Oh, I'm sorry. Listen, I'm not. I don't feel so happy myself. But we're all together, aren't we? You want me to bring you home a shake, Lauren? Deplorable Farmer says, interesting show. He makes sense to me. All right, let's take a call. 928, you're on the air. Who's this? 928, you there? Yeah, this is Bruce in California. Bruce, how are you, Bruce? Bruce? Okay, that was Bruce. Let's take a call from Valsky. Hey, what's going on? Hey, the reason I wrote Denver sucks in my Rumble rant was because that's a Ben Davidson one-liner. Oh, oh, oh! It, it's one of his own one-liners. Well, either way, either way, I'm sure I'm sure that he's going to put up with whatever sucks just for the elevation. <laughs> oh yes, he makes no bones about it. But in the world of the NFL, he's a Pittsburgh fan anyway. But uh, he hates Denver. Okay. Well, you know, it's a, it's one of those places. It's one of those places I've heard from a lot of my friends from that are born and raised in Colorado that it's just uh, that's another one of those spots in the United States that they have slowly seen transform into a liberal hellhole. Uh, just in the we last, agree. I know. Are you from there? I have family that lives there, and thankfully my brother is no longer a member of any of the police forces of the area. Yeah. Because, yeah, even he says it's a hellhole. A lot, a, lot a lot of distressed friends of mine from uh, from Colorado that uh, that have talked about a, a very swift cultural shift out there. And, uh, yes. So, I know. It's just one of those things. But thank you for the call to clarify, Val. Sure. Great interview. Thanks, Great. Frank. Thank you. Take care. Yes, Lauren said that she will take a milkshake. So, I got that. Uh, I got that taken care of. Uh, Tempo four twenty. Thank you, C Blanche. Thank you. Sending the gold pills, just drowning me in them. Uh, Glendoff the Great says, "Flat Earth peeps be damned." Well, I have nothing against flat Earth people, uh, or people who subscribe to that that worldview and and they've got their their stance and they're willing to defend it. I have nothing against it. At, at all, I'd never throw anybody away or or friendship. I mean, uh, Albert, our our late great friend, uh, Albert, known him for years, and we've had we had wonderful conversations even off air too. I I would ask, and I, and I remember asking a lot of things about even just uh, even little things about uh, about faith and flat earth because of course it's very very biblical too there i wondered if there's any atheist flat earthers how could you be because you know that's you're, you're talking about the the uh, I, everything's the handiwork of god me 
I wouldn't I wouldn't limit God to just one realm. That's my whole thing, where I see that the expanse of the universe is so much more breathtaking. But uh, then again, I, I I do want to do a uh, an episode on that one day, or maybe a an an off air production, and it wouldn't be edited in any funky way. But I just want to be able to get to get something mediated and put it out. Is it going to change anybody's minds? Probably not. Probably not. It's one of those things that we're just you know bumping heads on over here, and the internet's to to uh, to to credit for that. But there is no animosity here that being said i'm sure that there are plenty of people who subscribe to flat earth that just tuned out because what 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 can you how much i you know how come how much of what you what we did tonight can you really digest if it does not jive with any of the fundamentals of your worldview so i understand that that standpoint i don't want to you know uh uh, keep anybody out, you know, feel like this is an exclusive space or anything, but I understand how that would con- conflict a little bit. C. Blanche, thank you. Stostu with an entire sleeve of cookies. Thank you, Lady Peas. We're going to your, your your calls in just a second. Keep them coming. I just want to get through these so that we can uh, we can get out on time. Tempo 420, Sean Joe, the Sentinel, says, if there is a difference in elevation between the ocean and the mountain, then by definition, the earth is not flat. Well, I mean, it's not like, I don't think anybody was ever saying that it is just flat. It's just, I mean, it's, I, I, that isn't, okay, I wouldn't reduce it to that either. But um, Mel Hawley says, yes, Ben is here. Yes, he is. And it went very, very smooth. And he even said he'd come back one day. So who the hell knows? Maybe we can have him and Jimmy Corsetti on at the same time. The Sentinel says, therefore, as the sun changes, it is morning entry and evening exit point. Flat doesn't explain that. Human-generated electromagnetic energy has more effect on the environment than other human activities, says Sentinel. By the way, if Ben's theory is correct, I can use fossil fuels until the Earth changes axis, and it won't make any difference. Well, I mean, if his theory is correct, then it is a big it's no wonder why so much wealth is being is being stolen right now. So much spending, so much laundering. You know, I, I started thinking about it. What if climate change? Yeah, climate change is, is a vehicle for this Agenda 2030 world consolidation stuff. Then you look at that timeline in a different way between 2030 and 2050. But those 20 years in between being pretty pivotal in this earth transition that he's talking about tonight. But not only that, what if the climate change nonsense is, it it makes even more, (laughs) if you're going to just play with this theory, this hypothesis, that the climate change nonsense makes even more sense. It's, It's even more of an opportunity to be seized because not only would you be able to take credit for natural earth changes like this grand solar minimum that I should have asked Ben about, that I've talked about with Jim Lee many times about how ch- client, uh, client, climate change is really setting itself up. This brand of activism is setting itself up to take credit for what are going to be natural changes, natural cooling trends to the earth, to take credit for it. When in the, in the meantime, they're just going to be stealing trillions of dollars from people all over the world and central banks all over the world for a, uh, a cause that they really have no way of impacting in any significant way. 
But if they're not going to actually be able to impact the, the planet and turn down the uh, thermostat in any significant way with the trillions that, they're, that they've already stolen and that they're demanding be paid right now with all urgency, then what are they doing with it? I wouldn't be surprised if those hundreds of billions and trillions of dollars have been immediately not only given everybody their little part of the skim, but the most of it is being invested in underground high elevation outposts for the elite to be able to go and live safely while everybody else is dealing with the uh, the aftermath of a, a world that is being shook up like a snow globe. That There's a theory for you. Take a theory, leave a theory. 914-200-0269. Hello, who's this? Go ahead, you're on the air. Hey, Frank, what's up? It's Vin. Vin, uh, how you doing? I think I'm sober tonight than I am in the past. Great show. Thank you, sir. Um, so I was thinking about like uh, what, like in the past, when we as humanity were faced with these major tidal changes, what did we do? Like in the '80s and the '90s, we and, looked outside of ourselves and we created things. That, you know what? It could all be bullshit in the end. But wait, the I, I'll give you a quick the 1980s, uh, the 1980s. Yeah, you know, like in the '80s, you think about. Uh, it was the end of the hippie generation, and um, if you if you if you look at like think about like what was a major deal in the eighties, the AIDS, and and when when AIDS was a biological weapon, the government had deployed, and they were testing it on Americans, and and what they did was you you saw a lot of people that were going to people's hospital beds, and caring for them. It was a major outpouring of love. What do we have now? We have an aging population. A lot of them are alone, and and I, I, I think I think what would be great is if we pulled the young people into a major kind of cultural shift to say like, you might not have a grandma or a grandpa, but but have you visited with an old person? You're just talking about ways uh, ways to to soak up. Soak up all the good times that we could have from now until then. If that actually happens, this what what Ben is talking about happening. Um, no, I'm saying like because I, I, I think this is like COVID, and I, I love this is this should be drilled into everybody's head. Is that if that didn't wake you up to the greater realities of what we're living in, and what we're living in is is a world that we don't have control of. We have no control over what happens to us in life. You know. God, God bless. Like nothing bad happens, but you know, you you walk out. Like the old joke was, you walked out in the morning, and you got hit by a bus. But if if we if we turn people's attention to how many lonely, isolated people there are in the world, and we started making that sort of a point, like you you know that that Japanese term, the what do they call it, the hik hik hikaromi, the 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 people that are they're, they're shut-ins. Okay. Uh, I, and, and, I, well, Vin, I, I'm trying, you know, with the limited time we have here, I'm trying to see how you're going to connect it to the show tonight and <laughs> and, and, and a preparation for a, a cataclysm. I, I'm totally down with, I'm totally down with the idea yeah. that there needs to be, we, we need to be, you know, more hospitable and more connected socially to one another and, and to find that, uh, to, to find and reestablish really genuine human connections. But as far as what it has to do yeah, yeah. with a looming uh, global cataclysm. I don't I don't know. Make that connection quick, please. 
Okay, so the looming global cataclysm is, 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 is the, the looming global cataclysm is, is is ourselves. So we're we're outsourcing the fear of our own personal degeneration and eventual death to some sort of global cataclysm. What our main fear is is that we're all going to get old and die. And, and one of the best ways to, to solve that problem would, would would be to start to start something where 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 we take grade school kids and we, we bring them into the nursing homes or, or we make it a major point to say we have an aging generation in this country okay. that is scared, poor, and alone. Okay, so I, and, and thank you for the call. So I'm, what I'm getting here is that maybe one way to prepare ourselves for what may or may not be coming is to really talk about what is at the basis of that tidal change, a tidal shift in in the in the earth's placement and that is that that would be the death of so many things that we always thought would be around it would be a, a, a first of all it would be a change in how the hell we even see the formation of the earth where all of our nations and our homes are located you know new york being subtropical at that point or or whatever the hell is going on uh, that th- these are deaths to everything that we grew up and knew. Of course, a lot of people would die as well. And it's really a change, and maybe allowing yourself to accept change, and maybe in the meantime, what Vinny is saying, that if we just start contemplating our temporariness here on the planet and doing more good things for each other, um, that uh, we could we can in some ways make peace with our own mortality and therefore whatever happens to us in the future no matter how global and massive in scale could be a little bit easier to swallow could be that could be i can see it all coming together that way 914-200-0269 i still have a couple of minutes would love to take more of your calls mighty patriots is great show thank you and i hope everybody's having a fun time over there on the foxhole in the foxhole, unpilled, and um, and yeah, I don't know what we have coming up. Uh, in the it's Rabbit Hole Wednesday, so I'm pretty sure that we have after hours programming that is going to be launched, and I don't know how relevant it's going to be, but hopefully it is. So you just stick around a little bit, and we'll see. Uh, we'll see what the network guys have have ready for the evening. Mel Hawley says so much. Thank you so much for having Ben on tonight. Thank you, Ben, for responding to me. That's, uh, hey, I, I've i wanted him on for a long time, Mel. I'm glad that he showed up. It's an honor. Tennessee Girl says, what is Ben Davidson's Twitter again? His Twitter, if you go on my Twitter, I've, I've, uh, I, uh, I tagged him a couple of times in the last couple of big tweets. And it is at sunweatherman. At Sun Weatherman. Here it is right here. Hold on a second. There you go. At Sun Weather New- uh, Man, Space Weather News. There you go. And the link to his YouTube is right there in his Twitter bio. But you don't have to go to Twitter for that because I put it in the description of this episode. The link in there is is the, uh, the, the, the tiny URL. It's pretty much a bit.ly for his YouTube about, uh, address. All right, let's see here. Um, Let's see, what do we got? Hold on. 
I lost my tab. All right, here we go. Tennessee girl, thank you so much. Sean Joe, Zoso dude says, uh, I'll rude my Harley. I'll ride, ride my Harley, and come visit you on top of Pike's Peak. We're gonna have to. And Athena fifty four, thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. That's the end of the of the gold pills. You can save them for the after hours programming now. I really appreciate it. Thank you to Stow Stube and Jay Britz over there on quite frankly superchat.com. Let's take one more call. Nine two eight, you're back on the air. How you doing? Good. Great. Frank, I, I wanted to uh I was wishing you'd have brought up Randall Carlson and Graham Hancock had the theory that the global disaster 11,600 years ago was caused by a, a meteor impact. And Ben is pretty sure it's a cyclical thing due to the sun's activity. You know, so, that, that's a great question. I, I, I could, and if he comes back, I would love to start bringing up questions like this. Um, you're, you're very, very right on that. Um, I did not, we didn't have enough time to get into those, those big differences because they're significant differences for sure. Yeah, I think both of them, I mean, Randall Carlson does some fantastic historical work with the geological cycles. Mm-hmm. And Graham Hancock, you know, with his lost civilizations, makes a good case for, you know, a biblical flood wiping out our past civilization. The question is, how many times has that happened? Yes, I know. The question is, how many times has it happened? And is it going to happen again? Because from what, uh, from what Ben is talking about tonight, you can almost put it on a timer. But if you think about Randall Carlson or anybody else that's talking about a deep impact theory, uh, that younger Dryas impact theory that we've talked about in the past when we've had on, uh, when we had on, uh, we had Timothy Alberino talk about it once. And then before that, I forgot who we had on to talk about the younger Dryas. But you, you can't time the, you, you can't set your, your, your clock to the arrival of a comet or an asteroid every 12,000 years. That is, that is literally like hitting the worst lottery on, on Earth. So, uh, but, but then again, to say every 12,000 years there is a, an, a, a flip or an ice age, and every 6,000 years there's a smaller related event, that's something a little bit, that's a, that's, that's a lot more rhythmic of a situation so it, it, it is an interesting dichotomy there i'd love to bring it up in a future show then again i would love to have multiple people uh talking with each other uh, th- that are on different different sides of of that that question and see how it all pans out well then if you really want to get into the woo you know you could tie it to nibiru and its orbit planet x whatever you want to call it but it coming around every how many, you know, thousands of years, mm-hmm. and does it come close enough to the Earth to cause earthquakes and eruptions, and and it, it could draw in meteors. A Nibiru show. Oh, it's been a long time since we did Planet X. Perhaps that can happen again. And, and thank you for the call. These are the, This is the type of call I was really, really looking for. Um, Thanks, Frank. Because I'll tell you, it, it'll 
uh, right there is a little seam in which I'd like to nestle myself because in in those unanswered questions could be the hope that in the next 20 years we aren't going to see what uh, Ben has described for us tonight that perhaps there is there's something else at play that uh, you know that's a, that's a little bit more unpredictable and perhaps farther down the road thank you for the call thanks for taking it all right and I would also love for anybody out there who wants to submit questions for future installments of conversations like this send them to me an email send them send them to me an email and the subject line here for future show with ben davidson or for future show about certain subject send it in so i can put them into my show notes and and i'll have them there all right ladies and gentlemen that is uh thank you so much thank you so much We are going to have another wonderful time tomorrow night with Ashton Forbes. We'll be talking about that missing Malaysian plane from 2013 and and all the wonderful, crazy Philadelphia experiment-like mystery that has cropped up around it in the last few months. That'll be tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. I hope to see you all here. In the meantime, become a sponsor at quitefrankly.tv. Uh, all the description and uh, all the descriptions that I have in these episodes, they have all of the links to how you can become a sponsor on several monthly platforms where they have great, great tiers. Subscribe star, become a pen pal of mine. Get in on the postcards or the Polaroids that you get mailed to you every month. Uh, send a send a uh, a holiday card. The PO box is on the sponsor us tab on quitefrankly.tv. Other than that, email for whatever, and I will see you tomorrow. In the meantime, enjoy whatever we have coming up next on Quite Frankly TV. If you're you're wherever you are on quitefrankly.tv or on the pilled, the foxhole, you don't have to go anywhere. Just chill out and it'll be served to you. Talk to you soon and thanks again for everything. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, it's film before our live studio audience. And now, our super chatters starting to Stostube and Jay Brits. And thank you again to None Zero over on Rockfin. It's been great. It's been grand. And all of our wonderful gold pillars. Tomorrow is another day, my friends. Thank you so much. Good night. <laughs>